Hello, everyone. I want to talk about something, and it's going to be rock. I did an episode on this before, but let me give you more details because some of these articles um, I did not do. So if I do an episode with similar reports, but I put new articles in, that's because I am adding more meat to the meat that's already uh, supplied. I'm just applying more meat because some episodes I have to go back because I do more research and I find more to say on the subject. So I'm, today I'm going to be talking about Jesus's naked body. Nudity and Jesus have often been separated. And I'm going to put them together in a poetic way. And in the, and I must admit, there are some insensitive comments that have been written in this article. But I'm going to say them and correct them immediately so people can understand. People need to treat abuse uh, survivors, abuse overcomers, and abuse victims a hell of a whole lot better than they do now. So here we go. Was Jesus really sexually abused? Before you go, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. Wait, hold on. I am humanizing Jesus. You're probably thinking, but the Bible already does that. I'm doing it some more. Because yes, the Bible humanizes Jesus in a myriad of ways, but when it comes to um, torture, there's some things that the Bible did not say, and I am helping to fill in those blanks because we need to humanize him more and more because we have not humanized him enough as a, as a globe, as a global culture. So I'm going to say it again, but listen with an open mind. Jesus is way more like us than we care to admit. So I am putting forth evidence and historical facts. I am not blowing smoke out of anybody's crack. All right. What I'm saying has been well documented. So listen with open mind. Was Jesus really sexually abused? March 7, 2019 by Mary Pazello. This is patheos.com. Just a heads up for my friends who have been abused. I'm going to be rather graphic in descriptions of Roman crucifixion and the sexual abuse that often went with it today. So consider this your content warning. Every episode I do starting right now, I'm going to put content warnings and trigger warnings. I'm glad she said that because that made me a more mature podcast. It was sweet for her to put the warning out because that grows my podcasting craft. One of my readers who was herself an abuse survivor seemed surprised when I mentioned that Jesus endured sexual abuse in my post from last night. Apparently no one had mentioned it before. I find it's a topic that's not discussed very much Catholics are accustomed to the most graphic descriptions of the sufferings of Christ, yet they don't always tend to talk about the sexual aspect of it all. This is so unfortunate. 
for those of us who have survived sexual violence, going through something like that can make you feel so dirty. I, I have survived, overcome, and victorious over sexual violence in my childhood. So this episode is extremely personal to me. Going through something like that can make you feel so dirty. It's easy to believe that crisis suffering must be a completely different kind, but it's something we ought to face. The Gospels are clear that Christ was scourged and dressed up like a king and beaten and mocked and dressed in his own clothes again. Think about what that means. Pretend it's the first time you heard that story. The ancient Romans were, as a culture, sadistic. They got off on hurting and humiliating people. And a gang of sadistic Roman soldiers ripped the man's clothes off and whipped him while he was stark naked. Then they forcibly dressed him in a humiliating costume, beat him up again, ripped the costume off, and threw his own clothes back on him. That's sexual abuse. And then there was the crucifixion itself. We're all accustomed to seeing Jesus on the cross in a cute white loan cloth, which would have been bad enough according to the cultural taboos of his day, but the Romans actually crucified people naked. Part of the torture of crucifixion was the humiliation of hanging naked with the erection. That can result when a grown man is hung by the arms like that. Sometimes they did worse things involving stakes to increase the pain and humiliation. That's how Christ died, naked, possibly with an erection, with the leaders of his people staring and laughing at him. That's sexual abuse. We know that that much happened because it's written right in the gospel. And then there's everything else Romans were known to do to prisoners and crucifixion victims. Anal and vaginal rape were expected parts of that torture, according to contemporary historians, as a Pathios colleague has already pointed out. They were what Roman soldiers did to the people they were charged with torture. To me, it's not only likely that Jesus was literally raped at some point during his passion, it would be surprising if he wasn't. I've heard well-meaning people give a very silly answer to this line of thought. They say God wouldn't let that happen to Jesus or even Mary wouldn't let that happen. I don't know what they think the blessed virgin could possibly have done to stop the Romans from doing what Romans did. Part of the agony she endured was not being able to do anything. And as far as God intervening, the whole point of the crucifixion is that he didn't. This is how God chose to bring about uh, our salvation. This is a Christian perspective, and I'll stop right there. Those words, people have to be careful about saying because you don't want to endorse sex crimes. You don't want to endorse torment. So... She could have said, this is what I would have said. Human beings are worthy of God's intervention. And abuse survivors 
are worthy of protection. That's what she should have said. He could have saved us just by willing it, but he chose to do it this way by God the Son coming to earth as human and allowing us to do whatever we will to him so he could suffer our helplessness, pain, and death with us. This is what I would have said. Abuse survivors are entitled to human rights just like us all. And their human right and our human rights should never be disintegrated. That's what she should have said. Jesus could have called it off at any time, but he didn't. God the Father could have put a stop to it, but he didn't. God willingly God willingly submitted to be like us in all things but sin. This is what she should have said. There are people who want to protect you. There are people who want to keep you safe. There are people who wish that they could have stopped what happened to you. And if, and if they could pull back the hands of time, they would have stopped it from happening. That's what she should have said. And being a victim of sexual violence is not a sin. Being a victim of sexual violence means a terrible sin was committed against heaven and against the victim, but the victim didn't sin. Um, sexual violence is a crime. Sexual violence is unlawful. Sexual violence is illegal. Uh, sexual violence is against the law. We have to put that as a part of what happens to people like myself. Christ was sexually abused in horrendous, traumatic ways. He was stripped and humiliated for the pleasure of sadistic men. He was likely also raped, and he was not guilty, just as all victims of sexual violence are not guilty of that violence. Um, I want to pause right there and say that some people don't want to be identified as a victim. They're not saying what happened didn't happen. What they're saying is they don't want to be defined by the violence. They're like, yes, I was victimized by the violence, but I don't want to call myself a victim. And that should be honored. She should have said that too. And those who followed Christ and found themselves victims of sexual violence also did not sin when they became victims. Cause forced into victimization is the right way to say. We have to be language sensitive when we're talking about trauma all right the quote-unquote virgin martyrs of the early church were victims of rape and all other forms of sexual abuse and humiliation there's no reason their torturers would have spared them that i know that's a touchy wording their torturers those who tortured me they don't want to a lot of us who've been abused don't want to claim torturers as ours they're like yeah, they tortured me but I don't want to say they belong to me in terms of the torment so we gotta be careful she should have said that but they didn't sin Jonah of Ark was raped and didn't sin if Maria Goretti's murderer had successfully raped her before he was caught Maria Goretti would have gone to heaven not guilty uh, is sin. Okay, remember being murdered and saying that's my murderer. You don't want 
any fellowship of that crime or any crime. So we have to be careful. You can say got murdered, but say that's my murderer. You don't want that kind of allegiance, if you will, because that it could come off these ways to many people like myself. So we have to try our best to be sensitive to language. This is why we need to talk about things like this. That's why it's so wrong to paper it over or say ridiculous things like God will let that happen. Victims of sexual violence feel so filthy. We feel like it's our. It, we feel like it's all our fault. That's one of the sufferings we have. We were. She says it's one of the sufferings we have to endure. This is the best way to say it. That's one of the sufferings we were forced to endure. So often we feel like things from hell, unworthy to lift our eyes to heaven, not for our own sins, but for for, for something somebody else and I say, or others did to us. Pause. Let's not talk about our own sins when we're talking about trauma, because we don't want to think, again, we don't want people thinking, are you saying that I am a filthy rat before God because of the rape and molestation and the sexual insult, a sexual assault? So take this our own sins out and just say we're forced to feel like things from hell. We're forced to feel unworthy to lift our eyes to heaven. We're forced to made to feel like we did something wrong, but that's not true, right? Because it takes the whole the victim is wrong trauma doctrine out, right? Then in heaven, um, All the other stuff she said, I'm just not going to say it because it it becomes very um, preachy, churchy. They're basically talking about um, the Holy Trinity and all of that. Um, but I agree that's not something we should be best to talk about. So I'll just stop right there because I don't want to say the preachy stuff, but I wanted to correct some things and be like, well, um, this is what I will say. Jesus was sexually abused, not because of what he knew, but because human beings are not human beings sometimes. In some cases, some people are not people, right? That's what happened to Jesus. And um, I understand the Holy Trinity, and he identifies with our suffering, but let's not um, make it cute because that doesn't heal anybody. Um, This is what I will say. You know, I, um, I try to be careful. I'll read a couple of the crucifixion of Jesus. 
it's the parts that are relevant to the whole sexual abuse thing. Uh, Jesus was stripped completely naked. While modern crucifixes usually depict Jesus wearing a long cloth, this is much more for our benefit as modern people. Historically, crucifixion victims were given no way of preserving their nudity. Jesus was crucified but naked. Of course, we need to remember that Hebrew culture was much more modest than today. In our culture, it is regular to see sex and nudity, and theirs it wasn't. Therefore, if we can imagine it, this would have been even more humiliating than it is today. Jesus was crucified in a public place. According to Blomberg, Golgotha was probably a busy intersection chosen to heighten the effect of the execution as a public deterrent to similar crimes. To put this in modern terms, it would have been equivalent to being publicly tortured at a shopping mall or a busy intersection downtown. The Romans strategically crucified criminals in public places as an incentive to others not to challenge the law of Rome. So those are sexual, psychological uh, torment. Um, Again, another one. Jesus was tortured in front of his mother and closest friends. Perhaps the only thing worse than torture is to be tortured in front of your loved ones. John records that Jesus was crucified fully naked in full view of his mother and closest friends. John chapter 19, verse 25 to 27. Being stripped naked in front of your mother would be bad, but beaten, whipped, and tortured to death. This must have been um, horrific. rough what I'm saying I know and here are some parts that I will say relate to what happened I will read only this part Seneca philosopher writer and advisor to Emperor Nero about 4 BC through 65 AD to Marcia on constellation 20.3 some hang their victims upside down some impale them through the private parts. Others stretch out their arms unto forked poles. Uh, the blog, Crucifixion and Sexual Violence. On this Good Friday, as on many before, I consider anew the full branch of torture and humiliation to which Jesus of Nazareth was subjected, physical and sexual. The latter is so traumatizing for the church for the church that we have covered it up literally by Reverend Will Gaffney, PhD contributor, associate professor of biblical Hebrew and G and Jewish and Christian sculpture. March twenty-third, twenty third March twenty-eighth, twenty thirteen, ten twenty-two AM, East Coast time, updated May twenty-eighth, two thousand thirteen. On this Good Friday, as on many before, I consider a new the full range of torture and humiliation to which Jesus of, Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth was subjected, physical and sexual. The latter is so traumatizing for the church that we have covered it up, literally, covering Jesus' genitals on our crucifixes. But the Romans and others used crucifixion as more than a form of execution, as a form of state-sponsored terrorism, really lynching to control subject populations were not inclined to respect the human or religious dignity, culture, or customs of their targets. 
the mocking, taunting, forced stripping of Jesus was a sexual assault. He was, as so many of us are, uh, adults um, and children, vulnerable to those who used physical force against him in whatever way they chose. Those who rushed to say, but he wasn't raped, or at least he wasn't raped, missed the point. The combination of various forms of sexualized violence and lethal violence are potent, dehumanizing expressions of dominance as in ritual castrations combined with lynching in the American South and North. It is hard to think of Jesus that way. Hard to find images that preserve that historical perspective. I couldn't find any nudes that also portrayed Jesus as a somatic, as a cement, semitic, Afro-Asiatic man. An internet search is not for the faint of heart. The sexualization of a bound person is as obvious name, familiar trope in pornography. The association of Jesus with BDSM, um, bondage, discipline, slash dominance, slash domination, submission, slash sadomasochism is horrifying for me for many others, but clearly not for all. Um, the line between consensual sexual encounters and assault and sexualized murder is crystal clear for me. Crucifixion, like all forms of lynching, is depraved and should make us uncomfortable whatever our sexual pleasures. I'll stop right there and say just not, BDSM is not a crime. We would consider what happened to Jesus criminalistic acts, though. Just want to put that. Pornography is not a crime, but sexual deviancy is. So we have to put those in proper perspective. The church that has a hard time talking about sexual violence perpetrated against mere mortals has an understandably hard time thinking about the sexualized connotations of the crucifixion of the Son of God. Pause. There's nothing wrong with being immortal. I don't like to call us mere mortals. I like to call us uh, human creations. That's the kind and respectful way to say it. The reason the church has such a hard time thinking critically and talking about sexual violence is because it has a hard time thinking critically and talking about sex. Pause. There's a difference between sex and rape. One is consensual, the other is non-consensual. One is mutually enjoyable, the other is terrifying. All right? The church, and I mean really mean, the church, and I mean, I'm sorry, the church and I really mean churches, congregations, and denominations has had have a hard time talking honestly and publicly about good, healthy sex. And so they're unable to speak authoritatively about its antithesis and perversion, the use of sex as a weapon. There's so much shame associated with sex for so many Christians and those who lead, teach, and preach in Christian communities. And that shame is regularly heaped on women and gay or feminine men. Pause. I have to say this because it gets frustrating. Homosexuality means consensual 
same sex romance, same sex sexual intercourse, same sex attraction, which is good. They're all good in and of themselves, right? Rape means, regardless of, you know, rape means power and abusive power at that. So, do not equate, do not equate rape with homosexuality. Don't do that. One is, I'm okay with it. The other means, I was never okay with it, all right? So, people need to stop with that. Yet, the scandal and the scandalous of incarnation is that God pulsed into this world between a woman's thighs is not only the spit and shit of a stable, but passed through her vagina, as Brother Cornell West says, located between the orifices for orifices for urine and excrement. Uh, Jesus has been carefully shielded from female and male genitalia in this tradition ever since. The idea of Jesus being in either a heterosexual homosexual relationships are both anathema, anathema for many Christians. Even the notion of Jesus' own human sexual development, erections and nocturnal emissions is taboo. And what of his own actions? Could Jesus be fully human as a teenage boy and man without fantasizing or masturbating? Pause. I think Jesus masturbated and I think he fantasized. Personally, I believe that. If he was truly unmarried in a culture that married teenagers off as soon as they went through puberty and Leah of birth control because there were no controlling those hormones, how did Jesus deal with his own natural, healthy, God-given sexual desires? Personally, I think Jesus was married. Personally, I think Jesus was a biological father. I said that in other episodes. And I'm okay with Jesus being LGBTQIA+. I'm okay with Jesus being of I'm okay with Jesus being any sexual orientation, any gender identity, and having sex characteristics. Doesn't bother me at all. Celibacy is a powerful counter-cultural witness in our world in the time of Jesus. And at best, it is a mature affirmation of a life fully dedicated to God in Christian tradition, building families through love and spiritual kinship. Celibacy doesn't make a person asexual. But sexual difference can make someone a target for sexual violence. The exposure of Jesus' naked body on the cross was a particular shaming, targeting a man who was not normatively, heteronormatively coupled. Uh, And uh, by the way, I hate heteronormativity. Hate it. I hate it with a passion. I always think of the beginning of Jesus' human life as we memorialize it end because of the feast of the Annunciation, marking the beginning of the miraculous pregnancy that produced him regularly occurs during Holy Week as it did this year, on Monday, the day after Palm Sunday, sometimes it falls on Good Friday. Tradition says that virgin's conception of Jesus was absent sexual pleasure. There are those who deny her a healthy sexual relationship with her own husband, which I think is horrible, by the way. The child of her body, the blessed ever virgin Mary, or ever blessed virgin Mary, is 
Is it her blessedness or her virginity that is perpetual? Depends on whether, depends on where in the Protestant slash Catholic divide you fall. Here I am Protestant. Yeshua ben Miriam I Nazareth, Jesus. Mary's child of Nazareth is the son of woman as surely as he is the son of God. Her humanity was his humanity in his birth and his death. Jesus' death was a parody of his birth. At his crucifixion, he was as naked as the day he was born and again covered in blood and water, but dead when his body was placed in his mother's arms and his head laid on her long, empty breast. I would have just said uh, breast because when you say long and empty, that could be misogynistic to many people. Let's just say breast. Just say her head lay on his breast. That's all you got to say. Um... I agree with him. I do not think that Jesus was celibate. No, Jesus was sex a sexually active person. Jesus had full-blown sex more, on more than one occasion. Jesus hit all the bases. First, second, and third. And many times many many times and yes Jesus did have natural healthy sexual desires I believe that yes I absolutely do I believe that Jesus was victimized by sexual violence sexual bullying sexual assault sexual abuse rape gang rape molestation um and sexual harassment and sexual intimidation sexual assault that's what I believe will happen to Jesus and I do believe that Jesus was crucified completely naked on the cross with an erection based on what I've researched I do believe that's what happened uh This is another Christian perspective, but let's get into it. Jesus, survivor of sexual trauma. You did not misread that. Yes, Jesus himself was a victim of this abuse. That means he understood yours. I do believe that Jesus was a survivor of sexual trauma. This is Christine Diaz Kaufman, January 11, 2017, 8 Sorry for reading. I used to not read the minutes. I'm sorry about that. A few months ago, I was asked to participate in an interview run by Mallory Wickoff was writing a dissertation on the impact of sexual trauma survivors' theological perception and spiritual formation. She chose to gather data and information by interviewing 10 women, varying in ages and denominations, and asking them to talk not only about their experience with sexual abuse by the church has affected them in their healing, both negatively and positively. I was honored to get to share my story and contribute to her research and was excited to see the final product. While I knew this would require vulnerability and honesty on my part to recount to her the abuse I had endured, I did not know or expect the layer of liberation and vindication that would come from seeing my story put to ink on paper. Yet, as I read it, what really took my breath away was something that changed the way I viewed Jesus. Sexual trauma. For many of us, this would not be the first thing that comes to mind when we think of our Savior. She's a, a believer, so that's what he said, our Savior. If we think of it all, if we think of it at all, truth be told, 
It wasn't a connection that I made myself until recently and it rocked my world. Let me explain. Growing up in a Christian environment, I rarely ever heard anyone talk about sexual abuse. In fact, I don't think I can recall it being mentioned one time from the pulpit or by any leaders that were mentoring me. The only time that sexual abuse was ever talked about was between myself and young friends, sharing stories of pain that were rarely discussed but would come out every now and then. And we would carry the secrets which only bound us closer together as a little community of broken friends. If you read Mallory's dissertation, you will read heartbreaking stories of women confessing their abuse to pastors only to be told to pray for forgiveness because it was their own fault. Church, I love you, but we have to be better than this. Child abuse and sexual brokenness of every kind is not just rampant within the secular world, it is also alive and well in the church. One in three women have been sexually abused and these are the facts we have faced on the abuse that was reported. I myself was abused a few times throughout my life and sadly none of these incidents were reported. I know that most of my friends who have also been abused do not report what happened to them. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for women? What is the actual statistic the real number? This reality should cause us to weep. I do not exempt men from this conversation because boys are also being victimized here in the United States every day. One in six will be sexually abused before they turn 18. I would argue that just as women have been silenced from reporting their abuse, men have been as well. Perhaps we hear these stories even less because of what we as a society have told men they're supposed to be. Suck it up, be a man, real men don't cry. These are words that are now engraved on the hearts of young men starting at the youngest age, silencing them and reminding them to keep their secrets, shaming men to never truly feel or to live the life of healing and fullness they deserve. I tear up even now thinking about the many people who have died with the secrets of their abuse never being told. There are far too many people always living under a burden of fear and shame, never allowed to know that it wasn't their fault, never given the dignity to have their stories be heard, and to find that they, they're not alone. Never allowed to find true freedom from the traumatic parts of the past and live in peace. Never being told that Jesus grieves for them in their pain. Never being told that Jesus understands what they went through can offer healing out of a place of experience because he too experienced sexual trauma. My abuse led me to years of counseling and healing and I'd be lying if I said I still do not struggle with the effects of the sexual trauma which has been done to me. However, I have done the work necessary to come to a place of acceptance and freedom and still I find myself shocked to understand that Jesus has compassion those who have experienced sexual brokenness because he experienced it first. In Mallory's dissertation, she quotes Beth Chris's Beyond Crucifixion and writes this, one significant and off-neglect aspect of Jesus' death is that he himself was sexually traumatized. He was stripped naked in front of a watching crowd despite most modern depictions of him wearing a lone cloth, an act that was and remains to this day a degrading experience in Middle Eastern culture. Like a child victim of rape or a victim of snuff porn, Jesus was pinned down, bound, violated, penetrated, torn. He was displayed as a naked object of contempt while the blood poured from his broken body and his public execution before a jeering crowd. Jesus experienced exactly the kind of objectification that is inflicted upon adults 
and children whose naked bodies are broken for the sexual entertainment of others. In this way, God truly did become Emmanuel to all abuse survivors. God stepped into human flesh and endured the types of horrifying abuse and violence that so many have suffered. As Jesus understands and empathizes with human suffering, Jesus also offers a liberation from its effects and healing from the wounds it creates. In his own body, Jesus bore both the wounding of sexual abuse and what is needed for its healing. Jesus himself endured not only the horror not Jesus himself endured not only the horror of torture the cross and carrying the weight of sin for us all he also experienced sexual trauma for me and for you um, those are the, a lot of Christian perspectives I would personally say that what she should have said in this is people have been victimized are not broken and people who have gone through torture, a lot of people would feel offended and understandably rightfully so because they're like, well, Jesus could have stopped it. I couldn't. Um, so I think her reporting it was good as just some of the language I would just taken out of the article because that could um, unnecessarily uh, put wounds in people's souls. I always knew that God could relate to my pain in every other way, but not thinking of him, the, the you know, personally, it's okay to see God in the form of gender sexual diversity, so you don't have to see God as him, you can see God as him, her, they, them, his, hers. You can apply all gender pronouns to God, it's all good. So I won't even use gender pronouns describing God anymore. Here we go. I always knew that God could relate to my pain in every other way, but not thinking of God through the lens led me to feel like this part of my story had to be a bit detached from Jesus because God never experienced it himself. I was wrong. Well, don't be hard on yourself. You're recovering. God did in God's own way. As much as that grieves my heart, it makes me fall more deeply in love with God. To comprehend that my Messiah gets me in the middle of my pain is something I still have yet to wrap my head around, but fills me with so much love, but fills me with such love. Childhood is not a one, childhood, I would say childhood trauma is not a woman's, women's issue, it is a humanity issue. As originally said, childhood is not a women's issue, it's a humanity issue. I want to correct what Becca Stevens, the founder of Disilform, being a victim of child abuse herself, said something truly profound that resonated with me. Childhood tr trauma is not a women's issue, it is a humanity issue. Childhood abuse is an issue for people. It is a global epidemic that we feel uncomfortable and unqualified to talk about, and yet it is a justice that I believe, the, uh, that, I believe that God's heart is deeply moved by. Um... I won't read all of this, but because it can get preachy. Um, I try to not do that. So this is what I said. Um, we should protect people. 
This is something that I should say, though. I pray as the church that we begin to have healthy conversations about this topic. It'll be irrational to think that we could solve this issue overnight, but I know that we have to be better. We have to learn how to meet the needs of the hurting ones sitting in our pews. Our congregations are bleeding, waiting for us to acknowledge their pain. Together, we can build a community better than we have ever seen before. Uh, we can do this together, but we first have to acknowledge that there's a problem and that Jesus deeply cares about this issue. Sexual abuse is something that Jesus cares so deeply about. Um, if you yourself have overcome child abuse, abuse been kind to them on behalf of the church, I say that I am so sorry. And so, I'll stop right there. Cause everything else gets very preachy, so I go, nah, we don't need to do all that. I'm gonna just get to the point. Um, Cause I'm learning I don't need to read everything because it can really, take away the importance of what is said. Stop in right there. Thank you.